There's no doubt in my mind that giving somebody physical product as opposed to digital product could definitely change that relationship. Hey, podcast listener, you're about to discover insider tips, tricks, and secrets to making more sales and converting more prospects into customers with email marketing. For more information about the email marketing podcast or the autoresponder guy, go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast. Hey, yeah, it's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy, and it's time for episode 66 of the McMethod Email Marketing Podcast. We're here to discover one simple thing, how to make more money with every single email you send. Exciting days. Now, today, I'll be talking to Brian Kurtz. Brian, man, Brian's a legend. He uh, helps sell hundreds of millions of dollars of products with Boardroom Inc. And uh, Boardroom is a big, big publishing company in the U.S. He's worked with the biggest and best copywriters on the planet, and he's, uh, he's an absolute wealth of direct response marketing knowledge. So uh, he's actually a friend of a friend, and that's why I wanted to get him on the podcast. This is kind of a little connection there. And uh, he's got some cool stuff to share. Today, we're going to talk about storytelling and how that leads to lessons, uh, multi-channel marketing. So, he, so Brian's, not even, Brian's not an online guy. Brian's an offline guy. So we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars with direct mail. As far as I know, it's all direct mail or advertisements, things like that, offline stuff. So he's big on multi-channel marketing, a TV commercial, so like uh, infomercial, I think that was one of the things they do as well. And he's huge on this stuff. Okay, and we also talk about the entrepreneurial challenge of kind of, I think a lot of people start as copywriters and then eventually you get to this point where do you want to be a copywriter or do you want to be an entrepreneur? Because they're very different things and they require a different skill set. If you want to be the best copywriter in the world, you can't really be the best entrepreneur in the world, right? Or if you want to be an entrepreneur, you're not really going to have the time to say be the best copywriter. I'd say it might not be an either or thing like that, but you, you'll see what I mean when you get there. And we're going to talk about that in this episode. To get the show notes for this episode of the Email Marketing Podcast, go to themcmethod.com slash 66 for 66. This week's McMaster's Inside of the Week. If you don't know, McMaster's is my private training community where you'll discuss, well, you can get access to training programs like the McIntyre Method, pages that convert, a bunch of different things where you basically learn how to create a 10 email autoresponder sequence, how to set that up in your business, and how to create you know landing pages for it, sales pages that are going to make you money. That's at themcmethod.com slash McMaster's. Now, I've got the insight for this week right here. It's from a thread titled, You vs. I, Don't Make This Stupid Mistake in Your Email. So, Joy asked a question about her, uh, you know, why you should trust me, was it why you should trust me or about me section in a sales letter. And uh, so I brought up this issue of that you need to focus more on the prospects. So instead of saying, I this, I that, I, you know, I really hope this, or I've got this great thing to show you, you'll discover, you'll learn, you're going to get this. You probably feel like this. Talk about them. But this doesn't always apply. And that's where Joy's question comes in. So yes, you focus language instead of I focused is better most of the time, generally speaking. Okay, but not always. So Zach replied, and Zach's been on this podcast before. He's my, he's the, the main guy writing my copy right now for clients. Is he said just my two cents here? But I think why you should trust me section can be useful, especially if your prospect is coming from cold traffic and you're asking them to pay up for your expertise. You're answering there. Are you credible objections? It's tough not to say I in your answer to that. So when you've got cold traffic, and when you've got someone who eventually, before they buy something, they're gonna want to know who the hell you are. Okay, and when you when it gets to the point when it makes the most sense for you to talk about who the hell you are, it's okay to say, I am 
you know, I am John Smith and I, you know, I'm John McIntyre. I write emails. I help people make more money with email marketing. I have a podcast, blah, 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 all these different things. You can say I because that's, that's the context is okay. But at the top of your sales letter, when you get a headline and uh, you're trying to bring people into it, don't start talking about yourself straight. I just say, so I've got a cool thing to talk to you about today and I think you're really going to like to hear all this stuff like that. Talk about them. But once they want to know about you, talk about you. Simple as that. Now, if you want to spread the word about the email marketing podcast, which uh, you really should, go to <laughs> go to iTunes, go to the store, search for the McMethod Email Marketing Podcast, leave me a review. I will read the review out on the show. Make it five stars if you can, but uh, if not, that's cool too. <laughs> But give me a suggestion, give me some feedback, whatever you feel like. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm a pretty, like, I can take the feedback. So go and do that. That's in the iTunes store. I've got one listener question, then we'll get into this interview before I get too crazy here. Would you recommend a long email or a short one that drives people back to your website? This is an easy question to answer. And that is, if you're trying to drive people just back to your website to say a blog post or something like that, give them what's called teaser copy. So 50 words, 100 words of just teasing them, making them curious, and they have to click the link to go to your site to find out what it is. If you've got a sales letter, on the other hand, that's a little bit different. That will require a bit more longer copy because you might want to pre-frame the sales letter before they get to it. Okay, that's it for now. Let's get into this interview with Mr. Brian Kurtz. It's John McIntyre here, the autoresponder guy. I'm here with Brian Kurtz. Now, Brian is a partner in Boardroom Inc. And uh, he was uh, partly your, you know, responsible for taking that company to over... Was that $150 million? So we we're just talking about this. And uh, he's, he's just an absolute expert in this direct response stuff in uh, not so much email specifically, but so much of what these guys do in the real world outside of the internet is directly applicable to online. And, off, you know, this offline stuff is so much bigger. Like sometimes, you know, us on the internet here sending emails, we think we're so cool and that we're such ninjas for being able to send emails and make money. But the world outside of the internet, outside of these product launches and JVs and affiliate marketing is so much bigger. And uh, so Brian came to me through another friend who's been on this podcast, Greg Rollett, and um, he's just a pro at this stuff. And I, I, I admit, I, I'll openly admit, I don't even know, I don't know much about this stuff. I'm, I've you know, written a lot of copy. I've never done direct mail because that's not where I kind of got in. I never got in with a, a business like that. So even I'm, I'm a beginner, I'm an amateur at this stuff. I know how to write emails and maybe the sales letter every now and then, but that's it. So I'm going to learn a lot today as well. Brian, how you doing? Good. How are you? This is a, 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 an honor. I, based on who you've uh, interviewed, I'm in good company. Let's put it that way. Uh, <laughs> and we were just talking about Perry Marshall, who you interviewed recently. And uh, he's one of my close friends and gurus. And I think I would start by saying, you know, just to jump on what you just said about me. Um, I think I said to you in, in preparation that I just recently bought, bought a URL that I'm not using. So if you go there, there's nothing there. But I just bought the URL for the sake of buying it. And the URL is www.singlechannelmarketingissoboring.com. And so the reason why I bought that, I bought it so I could tell you that. So it's funny and I can make you laugh on an interview for one thing. But secondly, it's very, very meaningful to me to talk about that being in any kind, any single channel, I was in direct mail for most of my career. I still am, but I've never been in one channel. Um, to say, I think you're right to say that I wouldn't consider myself an expert in online and email marketing, but I am no Luddite. I mean, I had trouble getting on Skype today, but that's a different discussion. Um, I mean, I'm a techno idiot on the one hand, but on the other hand, um, I know the copy when I see it. I know a good email promotion when I see it. Um, and I know, uh, I know that to be in any single channel is a huge mistake if you're in, in, in business building mode. And from what you've told me, your audience is very much interested in building businesses, not just having a series of revenue events. 
And I think that revenue events are fine. You got to pay the bills. You know, I'm on my last. I pay. I finish, My daughter's graduating from college on on next Sunday, so I'm done with tuition payments. So cash flow is a little different for me going forward. But it's a huge issue for me and everybody else. So I'm not saying don't make money. I'm not saying don't create revenue events. But to be in a world, say, of just affiliate marketing as your only way of buying media, and we can get into a lot of details and all of this stuff, but using that as an example, um, huge mistake, huge mistake. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't be in affiliate marketing. It's a great way to generate money. It's a great way not to pay for media and actually make money and share it with your partners. But if you think, or anybody on this call thinks that to, to ignore the uh, media choices that are available to us, other than affiliate marketing and online, you're missing opportunities up the wazoo. And so if I could give that message today as sort of the overview, I think I've done a great service to your audience. And then we can drill down wherever you want to go. But I've been in every one. I've been in every medium. I, I used to say I never met a medium I didn't like. Okay. Um, you know, I've been, in, I've been in direct mail. I've been in TV. I've been in radio. I've been in space. I've been in inserts. And I've been all over the internet. So not to say I've done every one right all the time, and if I did them all right at the same time, I probably wouldn't be talking to you, but I would be vacationing in Thailand. So, <laughs> so this, this kind of reminds me of like you can, this is, a, this is uh, probably happens a lot all the time online where someone, and we talked about it before I hit record here, where someone you know, creates an ebook and they do a product launch, we say product launch formula or something like that, and they make some good money. Maybe they make 50 grand or 100 grand or 20 grand or whatever it happens to be, a lot of money to them. And that, that moment would change a lot of things for them if they've never done it before. And what people might fall into in that moment is thinking that they've made it or that they have a business now. And that's really not true in the sense that, that like a product launch or one promotion or one product, it's not, I mean, it's a business in the sense that you just sold a product instead of your time for money. So you're not an employee, but- right it's not a very good business. Like what, if you want to have a good business, you would have talked about what you're talking about here is instead of going single channel, so just if someone's running a channel as say Facebook or Google AdWords or direct mail, um, you want to be going in, like basically having a different legs everywhere. So you want to have all these different channels, several different products where you're building out an entire suite. You're building a business, not just one product stream. Yeah, and, and so I'll build on what you said and that was brilliant, um, what you just said. And so using product launch formula, I'll use that as the example. Jeff Walker is... You know, I'm not name dropping, but he's a very, very close friend. I'm in his, I'm in his uh, Platinum Plus Mastermind group and aren't even do launches online. Why would Jeff Walker want me in his product launch formula highest end mastermind group? Well, he wants to take, he, he'll take my money for one thing, um, but Jeff's not about the money. He wants me in that group because I educate in, at, at, in different areas that no one else has been exposed to in that group. And now these are the best, the people in that group are the people who use product launch formula at the highest level. Like these are people I really look up to. They know how to maximize launches online to the nth degree. But the reason why they're really good at what they do is that as soon as they get a successful launch, whatever the dollar figure is, 20,000, 100,000, and of course, people talk about the million dollar launch. How much do you really keep when you do a million dollar launch that's mm -hmm. completely affiliate? I mean, half of it's gone already to the affiliates, and then how much of the 500,000 did you spend on everything else that you had to spend on? So again, what's the net? So I'm, I'm not saying you shouldn't do that. It's a really easy way. You don't have to pay for media. It's a great way to launch, launch a business. Launches launch businesses, there's no doubt. But if you're going to live launch to launch, I think you're nuts. Um, first of all, being in the launch mode online is like being, living in a fire drill. 
which is something I refuse to do. I mean, I'm old, so, you know, I can't, I don't have the patience for that. And I've done launches, so it's not like I haven't done them, but living in, and I've done direct mail launches since 1981. So it's not like I, you know, the word launch was not, was not um, invented by an internet marketer, just so you know. You know, people have been launching products and businesses forever, but the online launch concept, and I think you hit it right on the head and brilliantly, that don't mistake, you know, a, a successful launch for a business. I, I gave you two quotes before we hit record, and I'll, I'll, I'll repeat them here for everybody. One is from an internet marketer who I really respect. His name is Chris Farrell from the UK. And Chris said, the product is not a business. And then the other quote is from John Carlton, who's a crusty uh, old, old-time direct marketer like me. And what John says is a promotion is not a business. And John is one of the best copywriters who's ever lived. So the idea that knowing that a, a particular product, I mean, there are people online that get a, a killer product or a killer promotion. And that promotion, they start going out to all of the affiliates and they start crushing it, as it were. I hate that word. They start crushing it everywhere they go. Um, they are, you know, the number one, you know, affiliate on ClickBank or whatever affiliate network they go on. And all of a sudden, they don't even think about the first thing they should do is how are they going to beat that promotion? You know, we have an expression here for the last 40 years, the control is your enemy. And those of you on this call don't know what a control is. In traditional direct response, the control package is your winning creative, your winning promotion. But the second you have a winning promotion, the first thing you must do is beat it or think about how you're going to beat it because it's, you know – King is dead, long live the king. People have heard that expression. And the control is your enemy. That's a good one, too. And I think you must, must, must always think about not living in the present. You're always going to the next step. Um, I think getting a successful launch, getting a successful promotion is just the beginning. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer, too, that all of the other media, I mean, I think online is great to launch a business because it's much less expensive. So to do direct mail to launch a business, I don't think I'd recommend that, even though I'm the direct mail guy. But to not do direct mail on the back end, yeah. when I already have a buyer who I now I have a more intimate relationship with, the beauty of doing things like direct mail or telemarketing, outbound telemarketing, with actually shipping physical product as opposed to just digital product, you can start seeing the value add that you might have to parts of your audience mm. that would appreciate a more intimate relationship, a more uh, concrete relationship, and one that has a higher perceived value. Frankly, whether you like CDs, whether you like USBs, whether you like physical product versus a digital product or not, there's no doubt in my mind that giving somebody physical product as opposed to digital product could definitely change that relationship. Mm -hmm. To do that on the front end, which I did my whole career, is tougher and tougher to do these days. I mean, the U.S. Postal Service isn't helping me at all, uh, but I, I think and, and printing and production and all the stuff that people hate. But to ignore that is just I think ignore that at your peril is my suggestion. Um, I'll give you one quick thing, too. Just speaking of, of PLF, I met somebody who's a, an online launch expert who showed me her database one day. Basically, it was a snapshot of her customers, her database, her, cust her customers of people who bought her products. And she has a lot of products, which is great. So she has a lot of diversity. And she started showing me the breakout of her list. So, of course, there were – she had 10,000 people on her list, we'll say. And, of course, 8,000 of them have bought one product only. But then of the other 2,000, they bought two products, three products, four products, five products. At the bottom of that list, there was one person who bought 17 products from her. So I, I looked at her and I said, and I was joking, but I wasn't joking. <laughs> I said to her, this person right here, whatever her name or his name is, 17 products from you. When's the last time you invited them to dinner? 
And she looked at me like funny, like, you know, why are you being such a wise guy, Brian? And what I was really trying to get to is that whether you invite them to dinner or whether they get the gold-plated X, you know, X prize uh, for being the 17-time buyer who's the person that knows more about your content than anybody in the world or something. I'm, I'm making stuff up because I'm not going to tell you what to sell them or how to treat them, but why wouldn't I want to treat that person like royalty and try to move everybody else on my list to closer to royalty? And if you think about your list like that, I mean, how many of the people maybe listening on this right now have an email list of 100 people, 500 people, 500,000 people? people and that when they send an email out it's one size fits all they send the same message to everybody and that's a huge mistake list segmentation is all part of this mix as well mm. and i'm going off on a lot of different topics here but the whole the umbrella that i'm trying to get to is that you have to look at this exact i'm going back to exactly what you said you have to look at this as a business not a series of launches, not a series of revenue events. You've got a business. You've got people who love you. You've got people who love you more than other people love you. How are you going to treat them versus other people on your list? How are you going to deliver product that may be different to some people than the product that you deliver to others? Mm -hmm. So I just put all of that out there because if you're not thinking like that, you're not thinking about being growing a business. You're just thinking about making money, right. I think. Right. That reminds me a lot of like everything you said there reminds me of this is why I got Perry Marshall on the podcast is because I just read uh, his book on eighty twenty sales and marketing. I, I keep mentioning it when I talk to people now as well, but it's the best book I read last year in uh, best business book. Yeah, great book. Yeah. And it's based on a basic print you know, the Pareto principle and he took it to a whole nother level, which was very cool. Yeah, yeah, and it just basically like what to you know, focus on the right stuff and you get a, a much higher return. But one thing I thought about like recently with cause I have been testing a new forum out where people pay per month to go in and because everyone's going around recurring revenues, you know, the best thing in the world. And as the more I thought about it more, I started to realize that no, it's not really. The whole point of being an entrepreneur is there's that old French definition, which is, you know, an entrepreneur is a guy or a girl who moves resources from a lower area field to a higher area field. So it's kinda of like all all the job of the business owner, not necessarily the copywriter, but the business owner or the entrepreneur is to is to figure out basically increase figure out ways to increase the lifetime value of the customers how much money they spend with you and try to lower the cost of the amount that you have to spend to acquire that customer and then to scale that as large you know as high as possible exactly you just do that on every channel and you add more products into it and the reason why i mentioned perry marshall is because he's got his thing in that book that he mentions the uh, the, the conversion triangle i think the traffic and conversion yes. thing where you've got uh -huh. traffic at the front or at the top of the triangle, and then on the bottom right-hand corner, you've got conversion because you've got to make that traffic do something, and then you've got economics, which is you've got to make money with it. And, but then the economics then, you feed back into traffic when the traffic feeds back into conversion, and then that brings in what you mentioned is always try and beat the control, and that's the cool thing about online is you can just set this up automatically with split-testing software so you're just always running a split test. As long as you've got traffic, you can, be always, you can be running a split test or several split tests on every step in that entire sales sequence. And it's all automated. And then, <laughs> that's why I love this book, because then he goes on to talk about expanding universe theory, where you might start on paid traffic, because that's one of the hardest mediums, at least online, to convert. Then you move out to JVs and then affiliates and then uh, you know, email traffic. And then you go and opt optimize for your search traffic. And then you go and go offline. And so it's kind of like you use these base, you take this one basic principle of get a product and sell it. And you just blow it out of, like you just blow things out of proportion. Right, right. It, it's, you know, it, it, it is common sense. And I think that um, email marketing and online marketing has made for some lazy marketers because of the, you know, it's inexpensive. And you know what you just talked about. I mean, do you understand? I mean, I'm I'm I'll be I'll be 56 tomorrow. Um, Happy birthday! And so, thank you. Um, uh, and 
I'm proud of that because my mentor, Marty Edelston, who founded this company, I used to, he used to always never complained about getting old because getting old means, you know, he had all this extra wisdom <laughs> that he had accumulated. <laughs> and so when you talk about A-B split testing and, you know, as soon as you get a control, how do you, how do you go out and, and tweak it? Um, the idea that indirect mail for most of my career, the cost of doing that was so high. I had to mail an additional 25,000 names in direct mail at a cost of, you know, three, four, five hundred dollars per thousand to decide what panel to test against that initial panel. Online, as you just said, you can do this on the fly. You can make sure you have somebody who understands statistical significance, though, because 12 orders beating eight orders for a hundred dollar product is not a winner. Just FYI, you know, you must, you know, have all of that. Uh, and I'm not a statistician. I was an English major, so um, not not that I speak the language that well. Um, <laughs> but but I was not a math major or a statistics major. But if you don't live by your numbers, you know, that's what direct marketing is all about. And so, um, but the idea of AB, you know, true AB split testing um, to really determine how you beat your controls, how you take your business once you get something that wins and start incrementally moving it up, building, 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 building. And at the same time, thinking of the next new products. I mean, there's a great quote in the Bible of direct marketing. There's a book written by Bob Stone. I used it as a textbook when I taught direct marketing at the college level. It's called A Successful Direct Marketing Methods. It's in its seventh edition. And right at the beginning of that book, one of the first quotes is, no direct marketing business can succeed without repeat business. Now, anybody on this call is probably saying, this guy should not be being interviewed uh, by John. He has, you know, he, he's not telling me anything I don't know. Well, frankly, that may be true, but I will tell you right now what I observe in the marketplace is that if, if n not everybody is understanding the concept that no marketing business, that if you want to succeed, whether online, offline, I don't care what you do, that you must have repeat business. You must have business that builds upon your existing business, and nobody wants to be a one-hit wonder. And so there are more, many more one-hit wonders uh, online than there are people who've built franchise businesses, in my opinion. Well, that's because you can probably, you know, when you have a real, uh, <laughs> I always say this, a real business. We have an offline business. The stakes are much higher. So if you don't pull it off, if you don't succeed, then you're gone. You're out. You can't, you can't stay in business. Whereas online, it's, it's easy enough. I mean, the stakes aren't that Good high point. because you don't have any costs. You've got a couple outsourced yeah. in the Philippines and, uh, you know, you make a little bit of money and it's all good. It's not a big deal. Yeah, I did a post on uh, I did a post on Copyblogger, which is a, a a really great site. I'm sure you know it because you're a copywriter. And uh, my my post on there, my my article on there that I've done, it's called "How Paying Postage Made Me a Better Marketer," and it talks about nine, I think nine things of why the thought process it takes when the stakes are as high as you said. Um, I'm not look. I'm not sitting here like you know running around saying, "Oh man, I'm I'm a better marketer because I paid postage and I paid all this money to do direct mail." I mean, it, maybe I'm the idiot, right? I mean, <laughs> I should have figured out how to do a lot cheaper marketing earlier. But the discipline that it took to do that has really been something I'm, that will that I'll take with me as I move into all kinds of media, cheap or expensive. It doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The discipline of marketing is the discipline of marketing, um, which you, you hit on perfectly. Yeah, it's kind of like, there's almost like pros and cons of, you know, you're online, 
there's less downside, but that also means it's easy to be lazy and kind of give up. Because offline, there's a lot more downside, but that at the same time forces you to up your game. Absolutely. There's also a lot bigger upside. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll still say that nothing still scales like direct mail. You know, we do direct mail programs now that can get three, four, five percent response rates. Um, I mean, the economics are tough if you're dealing with physical product. That's the, that's the difference. You're delivering physical products, so you are cutting into your profits by not having a downloadable product. Um, but the, the, if you do your direct mail right today, the response rates are as good as they've ever been. The problem is the list universes aren't as big, and then your margins are tighter because of physical product. So the risks are much higher. But I just want people to know, that's why I was emphasizing that using direct mail on the back end of an online business, once you have customers who have already paid money with you, the investment that you can make in them is much higher, and therefore using, quote unquote, more expensive media is going to have a chance of paying out. And I'll just tell your audience that that the response rates that you're going to get with direct mail, even with an audience that may be not used to responding by direct mail, but they're used to responding to you as a guru. I mean, look at Dan Kennedy. I mean, Dan Kennedy, you know, he swears by still sending out his print newsletter on the back end. Once you're a $60, you know, a month member of whatever he's doing. Um, you know, don't, don't underestimate physical product. I, I'll tell this quick one. You know, at, at, I was at Underground two, year, uh, two years, three, maybe three years ago, which is, you know, the number one internet conference. Yannick is a, a real good friend and somebody I really, really respect because Yannick is a student of all the things we're talking about today. And yet people would think Yannick Silver is an internet marketer. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't let him fool you. Yannick Silver is a direct marketer. So Yannick Silver had a guy on stage. It was Saturday morning of Underground two or three years ago. And the topic of the speech was the big, deep, dark secret of online marketing. And the deep, dark secret – I'm going to whisper into my microphone here. The deep, dark secret – so not, I don't want anybody to hear this. Physical product. Physical product. That was the secret from an online marketer talking to online marketers that they just found out. Fortunately, I was sitting next to a fellow dinosaur uh, who's been in direct marketing since the 1980s like myself, and I looked at him and I scratched my head. I go, that's brilliant. I think we could, get, we could, we could definitely benefit from this physical product thing. Um, you know, I just want, and I'm not bragging. You know, it's not bragging if you did it. I mean, I sold $300 million worth of books, hardcover books on TV mm. over a three-year period. Yeah. Uh, you know? Yeah, people will still buy physical product. This this value. I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to go crazy with that. But you get what I think. You get my point. Well, I, it's. I think it was like about a month ago. I actually bought a physical book online from an internet marketer, and it wasn't. It was actually the first product I'd bought from. It was Russell Brunson. I don't know if you know him. Yeah, I know. I know Russell. Okay, I know, so he, I, I know him well. Yeah, he had these ads coming up on Facebook for some. It was 101, 103 split tests. And you go to the site and it's free, but you got to pay $20 postage or what it's $10 postage. You can't remember what it was. And he sent it out here right. in Thailand. And uh, obviously after that, I started getting a whole ton of emails from him as well. But that was an interesting example. And this, like, I mean, this book came out. I don't have it with me here, but it's you know high quality paper with glossy print. It's gorgeous. And yeah. there, there are problems with the book, but <laughs> the book you know, is an example of this guy doing something differently. It's incredible. It's a really, you know, it's got my attention. I've told, I don't know, probably at least five, or 10 people about it who've then gone and either bought it or told other people about it so it's kind of it's very disruptive kind of marketing as well like if you, you had a list of people who are used to ebooks or videos online and you send them a letter or a postcard even yeah they'd freak out yeah i'll tell you i'll tell you it's, it's not anecdotal it's just a real story I, I i do a lot of speaking for students in direct marketing so these are college students who are going to go into direct marketing 
And I, I got up in front of them. This is when I whispered into a microphone as well because, again, it was a dark secret. I said to them, I said, when you go on a job interview – um, and after the interview, how many people here send an email follow-up? And of course, every hand goes up. I said, how many people send any other kind of follow-up? No hand goes up. So I said, this is like, there were like 300 kids in the room. So I said to them, I said, just so you know that if you go on a job interview and after the interview, you send something in a, and then I, I, I actually happen to have at my, at my fingertips. If you send something on this and I hold up a piece of paper, I said, this is called paper. Um, and then I said, this is called a pen. Um, there's also a thing called a word processor, which you can actually type on paper. You know, you don't have to put, you know, do it as an email. And then I said, this is an envelope. Um, I don't have postage on me now. And so, and then if you're sitting in an interview talking to an interviewee and they are talking about a, an author, a, a, an article that they, that they read or something that you had in common, and then I'll make this up that you send an envelope on your follow-up with a cover letter and then you attach an article from the author that you were talking about in the interview, you know what? And then I whispered in the microphone again, no one else is doing that. No one else is doing that. So differentiation and I'm using that as an example. Again, I'm not telling people to go apply for jobs here, but I'm saying that that, that thinking is the same thinking that marketers should have. Mm. That, and you say, I, I love the word you use, disruptive. It's so ironic to me that physical product on the back end for an online marketer is considered disruptive marketing. Um, and and I, I, I applaud you for looking at it, for observing it, and then saying this is something that people should learn how to do. But keep in mind, it wasn't disruptive in the 1980s. It was how we did things. So now the combination of things, given the high cost of physical product, the high cost of postage, and the low cost of email and the low cost of digital product, combining those into a unified whole is a game changer. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying the people on this call right now are privileged to be talking to me and you. Um, because if they haven't thought about their business this way, think about your business this way. It can, it can, be, it can be game changing. And I'll, I'll repeat something, but listen carefully. No one else is doing it. And there are sites out there, aren't there? I mean, I haven't done, you know, I'm guilty as, as charged, I guess. I've never done any physical stuff myself, but I've got, uh, I know people who do, and it's not even that hard anymore. You can set it up so you send out, you know, you can take a PDF, send it to someone else or another company, and they'll put it onto, a, you know, they'll print it out into a report. You can put it onto a CD. You can even send people USB drives with probably videos and all sorts of stuff on them. It's not even no that question. big of a deal. I'm doing, a, I'm doing a live event in September that's going to be epic event. Um, I call it the Titans of Direct Response. And basically, I've got a lineup of speakers that is unprecedented. But the thing that, I wanna, that I'm doing there, one of the giveaways, I'm going to actually give a binder, two binders actually, um, and Dan Kennedy does this too. So I'm going to have a binder that's going to have PDFs of all of the best control packages that the copywriters who were speaking at the event have done for Boardroom, which have, which have been mailed uh, – that, that have mailed over 650 million pieces of direct mail. These are control packages that they wrote for us. PDF. And in the, in the binder, it's going to be the PDF and also everything on a CD. I, I was thinking about a USB drive since I guess you buy a Mac Air now. You don't, get, you don't even have a CD drive anymore. But I, I'm still cool with giving a CD and a PDF. And then I'm going to have another binder that's going to be a printout of every direct mail piece, not written by those copywriters who are speaking, 
who that have also mailed in the hundreds of millions of pieces for boardroom. And I'm going to give those away as physical product. Now, these are direct mail packages. Um, I could give those away digitally and they'll be on the they'll be on the CD for those people who are allergic to paper, which I guess there are a lot of people that still are. But the idea of, of touching and feeling a direct mail package, that's a 12 page letter. That's that's a 24 page Magalog that the kinds of direct mail that we do that weave a story that tell a story that is powerful that sells product sells through on a product and not just is is on the periphery of of the sales you know by the way a, a flashing arrow in a red box on a landing page is not necessarily good creative just fyi you know there's a lot that goes into and you you as a copywriter i know you really understand this that the copy approaches of my direct mail from the 1980s 90s and 2000s is all applicable to steal smart from in online marketing today. And that's why I'm giving it away as physical product. I'm giving it away on digital too, but I'm giving it away on physical product because it existed as physical product first. Right. And th- I mean, again, so the whole like patent interrupt or the, dis- the disruptive idea I mentioned before is it's almost like marketing is kind of like the art of figuring out what's going to disrupt someone the most. So it's kind of like when no one's right. saying lose weight, the person who comes out and says lose weight as the headline disrupts the person because someone's like, well, no one's told me that before. I want to I buy this product. But then everyone starts saying it and all of a sudden you've got to say something else. And then exactly. when, when online doesn't exist, if you have something online, that's disruptive. But if everyone's doing online and no one's doing offline, then offline's disruptive. So it, it's, <laughs> it's almost like the, rule, like the game's always shifting. So a good marketer is always basically taking in the, you know, the environment, the surroundings, and kind of saying what's everyone expecting and then going, I'm going to do the opposite of that. Yeah, you as a copywriter, you'll love the title of an interview I did with my friend Joe Polish, which is actually on my site for free if people on your list want it. Um, and the interview is said, "Everyone is going right, time to go left," and which is exactly what you just said. And it's really about direct mail for internet marketers, but it introduces this concept that it's not that in, we're not we're not telling people to replace online marketing with offline marketing. We're encouraging people that that there's this thing that people aren't doing that you're going to stick out. I mean, I, I know some online marketers that are just doing incredibly well with that. I, I bet Russell did great with that back-end book mm. to, his, uh, to his online audience. So anyway, that, I have a ton of stuff on my site that your folks are welcome to, to eat it up. It's all free. I mean, it's uh, briankurtz.me, www.briankurtz.me. Uh, I'm not selling anything there. Um, I, and they can opt into my list. I'm blogging every week on all of these kinds of topics. But I want them to have that interview in particular. So it's, it's on there. It's, I think it says everyone is going right, time to go left. Okay. Okay, I'll have a link to that on the show notes at themakemethod.com. One thing I've been meaning to ask you about, which we talked about a little bit before, is this whole idea of like being a beast of marketing. And in this case, being a beast is a good thing. Tell me about that. Yeah, so um, so Marty Edelston, who um, who passed away this past October, and he was my 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 mentor. He's the guy who who founded Boardroom in 1972. Uh, an entrepreneur's entrepreneur. I mean, just uh, and he was a beast. <laughs> and Marty um, was a tenacious marketer, but he was also incredibly generous as well. And I think that's what makes to me a beast. The beast sounds like you know very aggressive. You know, always on the prowl. You know, always have sell the most. And my definition here would be you know tenacious yet generous marketing. And what, how I would define that, I, there's a picture I have in my office here um, of Marty in his prime. He was a black belt in karate, and he's karate chopping a board on two stacks of books. Um, and the books are called The Book of Secrets, which is a book that we saw, we, we, we mailed 20 million names for over a couple, a couple of years. But 
the Book of Secrets was the third version of a book that the first two versions were disasters in direct mail. And I won't go into the whole story. I'll be telling the story actually at Info Summit um, in November. Uh, which I was invited to speak at, which I'm, I'm, I was flattered to. Um, but I'm going to tell this story about tenacious marketing and that, you know, Marty believed so much in this product and realized he was a great promotion away from 25 million pieces or 20 million pieces in direct mail from a disaster one, disaster two, big winner three. Um, and I think it's not just being relentless and stupid. I mean, doing the th- same thing over and over again is not, and getting the same results, that's stupidity. <laughs> that's not, that's not what I'm talking about. But Gary Halbert, who's one of the great copywriters of all time, had the classic line that, you know, every business problem can be solved with a great sales letter. And so this idea of being a beast in marketing and being tenacious, you have to put it all together. It's not any one thing. We've already talked a little bit about, you know, the product alone is not enough. The promotion alone is not enough. The list and the segmentation and the media buying is not enough by itself. You must put all of those things together and to be a true beast of, of marketing uh, involves making sure that you have experts in all of those areas. I, there's a great quote that I have in, in one of my presentations uh, from a, a venture uh, from an investment banker in New York, and he was talking about buying internet companies, and he said advertising opportunities are now infinite. So what does that really mean? What that means is that anybody who comes, and I said this in one of my blogs recently, anybody who comes to you today and says I'm going to buy, I'm I, I'm your one-stop shopping for all of your media needs, run away, run away, run, run fast. Don't even stay near that person. There is nobody, nobody that can be an expert on all of those things. So being a beast in marketing, as I've talked about creative, as I've talked about lists and, and audience segmentation, as I've talked about uh, product development, all of those things, there are experts in all of those areas. And I don't care what type of entrepreneur superstar you are, you're probably not an expert in all of those things. You have to, using Dan Sullivan's term, the, the entrepreneur's coach, he talks about working your unique ability. So if you're a copywriter, for example, yeah, you should be writing your own copy. But when you want to start working on new product development, collaborate with people that can help you based on what you want to do, what your passions are, and make sure you're running it by people. Make sure you're in, you're in mastermind groups. I mean, Marty didn't invent mastermind groups. He always supported me being in them. You know, mastermind groups also were not invented by internet marketers, just just saying. You know, Napoleon Hill talks about masterminding in his books, you know, from, you know, in, in, in the 19th century, in the, uh, in the, in the 20th, in, in, way back in the 20th, early 20th century. Mm. Um, but being around people that can help you develop your business, going to experts in those areas. I mean, you can't be the list expert. You can't be the Facebook expert. You can't be the SEO expert and all those things. You must find those experts. If you're not the expert in copy, the copywriter who is. You know, I was writing the promotion for this in September, and I sent it to one of my buddies, David Deutsch, who's a world-class copywriter. And Dave, this on a Sunday two weeks ago, and David sends me a very, very polite yet pointed email after he looked at my copy, and he said, "You know, Brian, if I, you're an expert in lists, right?" I said, "Yeah." I said, "You know, if I was, if I was uh, looking for information on lists and databases and list segmentation, I would come to you. But if I was, I would like." Yeah, because if I was trying to do that myself, I think that would be a big mistake. Like he's sitting there trying to like in a very subtle way saying, Brian, you can't write crap. 
Um, you know, I, and it wasn't like my copy sucked. It was, it was, I was writing prose. I wasn't writing sales copy. So at that, and they say, and then he, at the end he wrote, Brian, it's Sunday, go to your family and give, give this, give, give your, give your sales letter to a professional copywriter. He wasn't going to do it because he's too expensive, but basically that's what I did. And I was basically, I had violated my own rule of thumb of why I, I am a beast in marketing and why I am a tenacious marketer. It's not because I know everything about everything. Mm. You know, I know everything about this much. And right now my, my thumb and my index finger are an inch apart. <laughs> I'm, I know everything about this much, but I have a sense of what else I need to know to make sure that I can get my products and services to the marketplace in the best ways possible. And if I think I can do all of that myself at the highest level, I'm an idiot. Yeah. So this is like uh, this is like what Richard Branson talks about. Some of these these guys who are building billion dollar companies is uh, you know if you talk to them or you, or you read their books that kind of thing, it's always about hiring. It's never about doing anything specifically. It's pretty much always about hire, finding good people who are smarter than them to get the job done, and that's that's kind of what these guys do. They they have a vision, that's right. and then they hire other people to execute on it. And they just do that over and over and over again. Yeah, in this uh, in this event in September, um, there's going to be a huge tribute to Marty Edelston, who I mentioned before. And Dan Kennedy was a big admirer of Marty. And Dan and I are going to basically spend the first morning of two days at the event kind of going through the four pillars of what made Marty Edelston, this kind of modest guy from Newark, New Jersey, uh, an extraordinary entrepreneur and businessman. And one of the four things is basically if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. And so, you know, um, Marty always surrounded himself with people smarter than himself, even though he knew he always used to say he had, the, he had the great bullshit antenna. So he knew when people were bullshitting him, but he also knew when he needed to take a piece of this and a piece of that. And that's how he built his business. I mean, he had the smarts. I mean, he had the drive. He had the work ethic. He had the entrepreneurial spirit to, you know, to the nth degree. Um, but if he didn't have this idea that he wasn't the smartest guy on everything, he never would have built a $100 million business. Mm. Well, tell me about this event, man, and then we'll, because we're getting up to about the time, about time here. So before we go, though, uh, you keep mentioning this event with all these speakers. You've told me a bit about it, and I wish I could be there for it, but I'm not going to be in the States, I don't think. But tell me about it. Tell the listener about it, because I'm sure there's a few of them that are going to be in the area. Yeah, so I'm not, and I, I wasn't uh, planning on going on this call to pitch anything. I'm not, I'm not a sales guy. I'm the only guy that's ever spoken at a, as a, at a Glazer Kennedy event that didn't sell anything from the stage, so I'm very proud of that. So that's not my game. But this event, I think, is going to be the ultimate educational event to bring together the greats of direct response and the greats of today's marketing environment in one room to teach, to educate, to interact. So basically, as I said, it's called the Titans of Direct Response. Um, the first part of day one is Dan Kennedy and I um, basically talking about those pillars from Marty Edelston, which are both marketing pillars and entrepreneurial pillars of how to build a business and how to really be have insatiable curiosity when it comes to building a marketing business. Dan's going to actually do a bunch of things on his creative approach that he has not shared uh, at other events. So that's going to be kind of cool. Then after that, I'm going to have a, what I call the boardrooms Mount Rushmore of copywriters. And there'll be four copywriters on this panel who are responsible for 650 million pieces of direct mail uh, all profitable direct mail. So it's not like mail we threw away. It was mail that actually got mailed with response rates. Um, so that's the Mount Rushmore, the four best copywriters for boardroom currently. And that's David Deutsch, Paris Lampropolis, uh, Eric Bethwell, and Arthur Johnson. 
Maybe people have heard of them. Maybe they haven't. These are four of the best copywriters in the world. After them, I am going to have the best copywriter in the world, Gary Bensavenga, who is no longer writing and yet he has a, his own business. And he is going to speak and he never speaks anymore. He did the Bensavenga 100 many years ago and that was his farewell to the direct marketing industry. But Gary thought that he needed to be on stage for this event. So then he'll speak um, for an hour on things that he has not talked about uh, since he's, his retirement. And if anybody um, in copywriting or creative, we're talking about copywriting royalty here. Mm. Then after him, I'm going to have Ken McCarthy, who's basically, if um, if Al Gore invented the internet, Ken McCarthy invented Al Gore. So <laughs> Ken McCarthy um, is one of the pioneers of internet marketing, and yet he's a direct response. He's my age. So he's, he's, he's got the experience. He's He's studied all the greats of direct marketing, and yet he's no Luddite by any means and just the opposite. He's still doing tons of stuff online, doesn't speak anywhere anymore. Used to have the system seminar, which is probably the best marketing seminar that you could go to in the, in the 80s and 90s. Then that's day one. <laughs> day two, I'm going to have Perry Marshall, who you've had on this podcast. He and I uh, are similar in that I think we're bridges between the past and the present. Perry's a lot smarter than I am, so that's why I'm having him speak, because why do I want to be the smartest person in the room? Uh, I'm, I'm by far I'm maybe, maybe the dumbest person in the room. Um, so I'll have Perry Marshall. Then I'm going to do one-on-one um, interviews with Jay Abraham, who's one of the great pioneers of direct marketing. Then I'm going to do a one-on-one with Joe Sugarman, who is the inventor of Blue Blocker Sunglasses and uh, probably Sharper Image and any high-tech cataloger owes Joe Sugarman a debt of gratitude for inventing that ca- that, that category. Um, those will be interviews with them. Then I'm going to have, uh, in the afternoon, I'm going to have Greg Renker uh, of Guthy Renker, uh, which is the largest infomercial company in the world. I think they're close to a $2 billion business. Um, but it's not to talk just about direct response TV, but it's to talk about multi-channel marketing on steroids. Um, Greg Renker, uh, Guthy Renker does TV, but they also do kiosks in malls <laughs> and everything in between. Um, then I'm going to have Fred Katona, who's the father of Direct Response Radio, uh, probably the number one guy on Direct Response Radio uh, in the world. And then I'm going to do um, a, a, a final panel uh, with my internal mastermind group, the closest people in my particular circle of why I can be a tenacious and beast marketer. Uh, and that'll be Michael Fishman, Jim Quick, and Ryan Lee. And your listeners probably are well fam- very familiar with Ryan Lee. So I'm not just getting a bunch of old guys. I'm getting some people together who are the titans of the future. And the four of us are going to talk about true masterminding and uh, what it means to be accountable to people in your world so that you don't go out and launch product uh, indiscriminately. And then I am going to do a day three as a VIP package where David Deutsch and I are going to spend an entire day uh, all hot seats, probably a maximum of 30 people, and 15-minute hot seats, people bring their business problem, their copy, they're tired, they're poor, they're hungry, whatever they want to bring. Uh, and David and I, David is one of the top copywriters in the world. Um, in this context, I'll consider myself one of the best direct marketers in the world. And then David and I will spend the entire day with a group of people. Uh, that group also will have a special dinner with Dan and I uh, in the VIP package, which will be kind of cool too. And they'll get a tour of boardroom. So all of that will be in Stanford, Connecticut, hmm. September 11th to the 13th of this year. Promos are going out soon. If your folks want to hear about it, I'll send you a link at some point when I announce the event uh, formally, which will be in the next two weeks. Um, but if they go to my list, www.briankurtz.me, they get all that free content. If they want to opt into my list, they'll get the link uh, to the event if they want to come. Um, I think it's going to be uh, an epic event. 
Sounds good, man. I'm hop, I'm on your website right now. I'm signing up. Uh, because <laughs> I want to hear about this event. Maybe I can make it over. Who knows? That would be awesome. I would love to have you. I, you know, I could just tell the way you, the questions you ask and 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 the preparation for this interview that you're someone that really gets all of this. <laughs> that you want to teach you know the, the audience about everything they need to know about email marketing and um, but you're bigger than that. I can tell. Um, and so. <laughs> And so I'm really flattered that you asked me to to participate in this. I, I didn't. I, we weren't able to drill down too much into you know specific marketing techniques, but there's a lot of stuff on my website that has some of that. And I'll be moving more, much more into drill down type content uh, over the next you know year or two. And and uh, very excited about the possibilities for the marketers of today. I think it's the best time to be mm. in in marketing. And I say marketing. I don't say online marketing. I don't say offline marketing. I'll say direct response marketing. And I think uh, online is the ultimate direct response medium. Okay. A quick question before we go, though, is you know about the GoPro camera, right? Yeah. Is that the thing that Mike Enix talks about? They, so no. this, this camera, I think this guy's, the guy you started, it's one of the newest, America's newest, youngest billionaires, one of those guys. Yeah, yeah. I don't know, I don't know too much about the story, but I remember hearing somewhere along the grapevine that those guys did a ton of infomercial stuff. Mm. I thought you might. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, infomercial is a tough business, and I, I, you know, we could be a separate podcast someday if you want to talk about direct response TV. Although, you know, Greg Ranker, that's why I got Greg Ranker because if I was going to talk about TV, why would why why would I want to talk about TV when I can have Greg Ranker talk about TV? But we did do well on TV. The problem with direct response television is that you spend a lot more money on the production, mm. infomercial, for example, you know, and to get on the air, the actual media cost to test is not that high. It's maybe fifteen or twenty thousand bucks, but the the production, you know, could be fifty to one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, and the thing is, as soon as you run it on the media that you think is going to work on TV, which is limited to some degree, and it doesn't work, you're, it's all sunk cost. You, you you know, it's not like direct mail or an email where you can tweak it, where you can change it, where you can recoup some of the money you might have had in product development. Very tough to recoup um, on that big. Uh, upfront investment when you're in direct response TV. So I find it to be a very dangerous medium, but it's also one that if you hit, you will go nuts. Um, we not only went nuts by getting a success, we got three, we had four successful infomercials, and in every case, it increased all boats rose. We were able to get into direct mail uh, in a big way for the products that we sold on TV using direct mail that talked about the infomercial. So we actually had screenshots from all the experts that were in the infomercial in the direct mail package, and then we went online with the experts that we used. In one case, Hugh Downs, who was the famous newscaster. And we put Hugh Downs all over the internet talking about this book and that as seen on TV, seen by millions, which was true. You know, we all of a sudden all boats rose because, well, I think single channel marketing is so boring dot com. Um, we were able to take, you know, the infomercial, combine it with uh, direct mail and, and online and it became this juggernaut. Um, and it really the TV is scaled so quickly. Mm. I tell that story a lot. I'd like to repeat it one day. Um, I don't consider it a one-hit wonder. I do consider it a four-hit wonder. Um, but that's why our company went to 150 million, but then went way back down to 80 million very quickly because we were able to hit on something that big. Um, but the interesting thing, talk about building a business, we didn't have to really staff up to do any of that. So we went from 70 or 80 million to 150 million within one year or a year and a half, yeah. and then we stayed at 150 million for close to three years. And I didn't increase our staff at all. 
talk about direct marketing scaling, right? Yeah. I already had the direct mail people in place. I already had the online marketing people in place. And I outsourced almost everything for the infomercial. The production, the telemarketing, the, you know, the, the, the fulfillment I already had in place. So I didn't have to add vendors. I had to add telemarketing vendors, but you know, they're getting paid as a piece of the order. So that's not – so mm. I did not really increase my overhead at all. And I went from $80 million to $150 million. Now, if I could do that on a regular basis – See in Fiji, right? I mean, I'll, I'll be, <laughs> um, you know, if I'm making this sound easy, you know, uh, you, you can slap me upside my head. It's not easy. Mm. Um, but boy, when you're thinking in terms of this multi-channel approach, it can just scale quickly. It's just so, it was probably the most exciting period of, of my career to date. I mean, I've had a lot of exciting periods of winning controls with all of those great copywriters and all this other stuff. Mm. And in fact, at the event, one of those four copywriters, Arthur Johnson, was actually in the infomercial with Hugh Downs. He wasn't a TV star beforehand. He's just so passionate about the health topics that he writes about. He really is a health writer. He's not a copywriter. Mm. So talk about a copywriter becoming a health expert. He really was. Because to become a great copywriter, he had to become a health expert first to write about health information. And so Arthur will talk at the event about that being the most exciting period of his career. And he's had a, an illustrious career as a copywriter, uh, writing for the best direct marketers in the world over a long period of time. Mm. Um, and he considers that whole infomercial to direct mail to online is the most exciting uh, marketing that he's ever done in his career. So that case history will be really mapped out. Um, on my site, there's an interview that Perry Marshall did with me. Um, which is about, I think it talks about the three biggest successes of my career or something like that. And I, I map out the, the case history from my perspective on that interview, if people want to take a listen to that. But then Arthur will give it from the perspective of the copywriter and from someone who was actually on camera the whole time. So I went crazy there when you said infomercial, but I wanted to get all that in because it's, it's a phenomenal medium. I mean, direct response TV. And that's why I think radio is a forgotten medium. Yeah, you know, and and a lot of online marketers have found it. I mean, you hear a lot of stuff online on the radio that are online marketers using radio for lead generation, mm -hmm. and that's why I went and got Fred Katona to speak because yeah. I said to Dan Kennedy, who's the number one guy in direct response radio? It ain't me. I've not had big success in radio personally, so I want to make sure I put the person on stage that's going to teach that uh, because you know this is just the beginning. I think the concept of the titans of direct response is something that I'm going. You know, it's it, it. This is the first event. This will be the big one. But I think I could see a whole series of workshops coming off of this in all of these different media, medium or whatever. Yeah. Because and I think I might maybe I will use that site, single channel marketing is so boring dot com <laughs> as the as the because I think people will remember it even though it's long. But use that as a link to bring all of this together. Because that is one of my real passions. You know, I have this thing called O to O to O, online to offline to online. And that to me, you know, mixing and matching all the media probably is what excites me for my next 30 year career. The first 30 years have been really, really good. I'm really happy with my first 30 years, but now I got to decide what I want to do when I can really grow up. So these next 30 years are all about this, you know, merging of the old and the new, merging online and offline and being a bridge, you know, being Perry Marshall Jr. Maybe. Huh? Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds good, Brian. Well, I'll have to get you back on sometime in the future. Maybe in 20 years time, we'll have to talk about what's happened since then. Yeah, I'll be in a wheelchair, but yeah, sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the show, Brian. Okay, thanks. 
Hey everybody, thanks for listening. If you want to discover more insider tips, tricks, and secrets about driving sales with email marketing, sign up for daily email tips from the autoresponder guy. Go to dropdeadcopy.com slash podcast, sign up, confirm your email address, and I'll send you daily emails on how to improve your email marketing and make more sales via email. You'll find out why open rates don't matter and the seven-letter word that underlies all effective marketing and much more. Oh,